0: Welcome to the School of Travels podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello listeners, welcome back to another episode of the School of Travels podcast. It's been over a month now since I came to Querétaro, Mexico, and I've been getting to know a few fellow travelers who have also chosen to make Querétaro their home for a few months this fall as we continue to ride out this pandemic. One of these travelers was beat maker Kia Orion, who I interviewed in my last episode, number 46. Go check it out if you haven't already. And this week I'm interviewing another friend I've met here, who, like me, is also from the States and staying in Mexico, waiting for more international borders to open. After trying out a few international trips while he still had a 9-5 job in the States, David Nash Carson made plans and saved for a year, sold his townhouse, and left the US in 2016 with only the idea that he was going to explore what life on the road was like. First stop, it turned out, was Paris. And the journey just evolved from there. In his very first podcast interview ever, David and I discussed the ins and outs of his true passion, writing. Not only how he makes a living doing it in a way that you wouldn't expect, but also his thoughts on how all of us who want to write can get over the resistance and do more of it. Now, without further ado, here's David. Welcome to episode 47 of the School of Travels podcast. I'm still here in Querétaro, Mexico, and I'm here with another new friend, David Carson. David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Becky. I'm very excited to be here.
0: It's my first
1: podcast.
0: Oh, you didn't tell me that beforehand. That's exciting. Yeah, it's my very first one. I'm very excited to share your story because we've been getting to know each other over the last month, and I really like what you have to say about writing, and that's what we're going to focus on today. But first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, so I have been I'm, I'm from America, uh, but I have been traveling for uh, full time for about four years now. Um, I left back in 2016 and I go back to visit family and friends, but pretty much everything uh, beyond that is travel, travel around the world and everything. Um, And I like to write. I like to work out. I like to um, just kind of experience new cultures and everything and meet people along the way.
0: As you said, you started traveling in 2016. I'd love to hear about the transition. Had you traveled much before that? And what made you get on the road?
1: I had traveled some before that. Travel's not really ever been in my blood until probably about, I want to say 2013, 2014. Um, How old are you, David? I am uh, 43 years young. I feel like I'm 33, Um, so that's what I usually tell people with a smile so they know that it's not the accurate number, but um, yeah, so I I got into travel. I had a few trips before traveling full-time that were significant in my life. Um, I went to the Philippines in 2013 to volunteer uh, after uh, the Super Typhoon Haiyan, had devastated Takloban. I had never been to Asia prior to that, except for one trip uh, during a summer in uh, study abroad in college to go to Japan. So um, I had not traveled much at that point, maybe been to like three or four countries in my lifetime. And then um, I just kind of felt this deep desire to go and help. It was the only way that I could explain it. Kind was of, that
0: just from watching the news story about the typhoon? It
1: was, and then it was just, I knew nothing about the Philippines, hardly knew where it was on the map, but I just felt something inside me say, go there. And I went, spent 10 days there in this disaster zone, and just kind of did as much as I could. I got hooked up with a, a volunteer organization after I'd landed there. I'd just kind of gone on my own, and luckily everything worked out. Um, and so that was a significant change for me in terms of showing me a piece of the world, showing me that um, I can do this on my own, like travel on my own if I wanted to. And that put a lot of the travel bug into me. Um, and then after that, I had a few more trips kind of on my own. I went to Israel and Jordan. Um, I also went to Hawaii. Uh, and those three trips kind of within the, a year told me a lot about what I want out of life. And... Kind of where i can try to go to find it i think is the way to put it um and so uh, when i was ready to kind of pull the trigger and um leave my my life behind in america uh a lot of my friends and family weren't really surprised like it had been stirring in me for a few years um but i really uh i think the thing that really kind of pushed me to do it was um, I saw where my life was headed. Like, I had, the, I had a nice job. I had a nice place to live. I was in a very affluent part of the country and everything. Um, and I could kind of see where life was headed down the road. And it just, I knew that version wasn't the one for me. The thing was, I didn't know which version or if there was another version to be had. I, 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 it was kind of like, I know what's behind door number one. I don't know what's behind door number two. I don't even know if there's a door number two. But I'm willing to take a chance and try it and then fast forward four years later and here I am.
0: Wow, I admire your bravery (laughs) and just being able to walk into like this dark room. Like you said, where's the exit? What does the exit look like? Is there an exit to this next part of your life? What happened when you got on the road? Where did you go first?
1: Paris for a month, um, which is a reason that um, I think Paris is kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, It was the start of the trip and I love Uh, I love the city, I love architecture, I love the Eiffel Tower at night. So there's a lot of pieces of Paris that really just kind of uh, resonate with me. I have Um, to
0: say, as you're speaking, right behind you is a picture of the Eiffel Tower. That is true. That's 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 so funny. Yeah, it's right there. Had you been dreaming of going to Paris for the longest time, Um, and that's why you went there first?
1: Yeah, I mean, Paris was always on my list but I remember I'm trying to remember back because it's it's been a while like there wasn't a plan going forward about where to go next it was always just go to Paris for a month okay in Paris what seems like a good stop next Thailand okay i had been once before after that mm, Bali's kind of close let's try Bali for a little bit so it was a lot of just going with the flow, uh figuring things out kinda as you go. I, I honestly when I first started traveling, I didn't know where I was gonna be staying, what types of places. I didn't know Airbnb was international. I mean I went through looking back, there's a lot I've learned, but I didn't it's it's hard to think back and realize that I learned it because it's so natural now. But yeah, back then I didn't know if I was gonna be staying in hotels or or hostels or what. It was a lot of learning as, as I went, um, like how to travel and how to travel, I think, efficiently.
0: So I'm sure that some listeners are thinking when you left your life in the U.S. and you went to Paris, what was your build-up process to that? Did you start focusing on saving for a year before that? Did you think you had to hit a certain number in your savings account before you were able to go? How did you sustain yourself financially to be able to start this, especially without the plan of where to go next and things like that? Yeah,
1: so I um, started for um, about a year before um, started to cut costs and start saving. Um, I also had a townhome that um, I was living in for a few years um, that I sold, so made a profit on that, that helped. Um, yeah, I had a good, I would say I had a good chunk of change in the, in the coffers. Uh, but I also knew that that wasn't something that was going to uh, sustain me forever. So there would have to be a plan at some point after I've enjoyed some of the travel and everything uh, to kind of really keep this lifestyle if I wanted to. One thing I'll say is that the, the traveling lifestyle, it was never for me, it was two things. It was, um, there was two things that it wasn't. It was never an idea of I'm going to hit pause in my life, go travel for a while, and then return to um, life as I knew it. That was, and I try to make that pretty clear. I think at this point, my friends and family have got the the idea. Like, it wasn't, I'm going to just plan to go back to life and pick up where I left off. Um, It wasn't a gap year for you. It was not a gap year or gap four years or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, It was definitely something that I felt was a stepping stone. I also didn't feel like travel indefinitely was going to be my lifestyle forever. I I like to say that traveling is a path, it's not the destination. So for me, I feel like I have a much better idea of what I want my life to be and what I don't want it to be. I'm still not there yet. Hopefully, I can look back on this podcast in a few years and go, hey, I actually made it to wherever I, you know, wherever that next stop is. Um, but yeah, the the travel and everything, its I, and I will say this about it, out of all the decisions I've ever made in my life, I look back on that one, no matter where this ends up, I look back on that one and say 100% it was the right decision. Have no regrets. I not. found that with a
0: lot of the interviews I've done. This, there's a lot of fear in sure. people's minds before they take a step like this, but I've never heard someone say they regret it yeah even if they had hard lessons along the way yeah I've had a
1: lot of conversations with people too where I used to I used to think my story was unique but now I just know it's unique to me Uh, and there's a lot of people that I talk to that have traveled and they felt the exact same thing and some of it was like you can put concrete words to it and everything some of it's just gut feeling like it's just like this isn't working for me I don't know what's going to work but I got to try something And then they decide to pull the trigger. And they look back and they go, it was absolutely the right thing.
0: And you made a a big decision by selling your townhome. It was was like an idea that you knew you weren't going back there. Like you said, it wasn't a a gap for years.
1: Yeah, I watched a a show uh, once. And I remember it it was actually um, Ryan Tenner. is that his name? The guy from, like the lead singer from One Direction. There's a show on uh, NBC called Songland where songwriters will go and perform their songs for an artist, a very famous artist, who will then pick one of the songs by the end of the show and actually sing it and produce it and release it. So it's actually a pretty cool thing. But I remember that, that Ryan was saying to somebody, they were uh, the one songwriters, was like, "This is, this is all I have, this is my dream. And he said, don't have a plan B. He said, if you have the plan B, once plan A gets too hard, you'll fall back on plan B. Plan A is the only plan. And you go with it and you make it work. Um, And I, once he said that, I was like, I I agree with that 100%. And I I try to do that with my life as well. Like, you just make this work and you don't, I don't, I didn't want a plan B in terms of being able to go back to the U.S. I didn't want it to be an option. And I still don't.
0: I like that. I like that a lot for moving forward and just looking for solutions. Yes. Rather than, you know, ways to bail yourself out. Right, right. Right. It's a different mentality. Yeah. Yeah. So... In line with that, you had said you had these savings and you left and you didn't know how long you were going to be traveling or where the next step was going to be. But we did talk about what you decided to build. As a way to get a stream of income, as you started going yeah. along, we're going to talk more about writing a little bit later. But can you talk a bit about one of your streams of income now?
1: Yeah, I'll, I will say that um, one of the things I did prior to that is I went and I got um, TEFL certified, so teach English as a foreign language. Me too. Um, yeah, <laughs> That's I just one thing I, did. <laughs> I just did it in the first year. I said I want kind of if if worse comes to worse or um, you know, I just kind of reach a point where. I really want to continue this lifestyle and nothing else has panned out. I want to have a solid plan for that. And so I went and did that. I've never taught English as a foreign language other than going through the course. I had that as a backup. I
0: think it is great to learn teaching skills as well. I think it's really important going Through that. that in front of people. Yes. It did not feel like a waste at all to me.
1: Yeah. It, it was one of those things where that course, learning a lot of the grammar mechanics that I didn't remember for several years, I mean, back when I was in elementary school, I mean, they, they, kind of the the nugget came back into my head and I was like, yeah, I've heard this. I remember that. It actually started making me appreciate the language, which did go into my writing. It it has kind of gone into my writing about actually um, working with the language itself and figuring out how to manipulate it and everything, aside from just picking words and plot and characters and everything. Um, But to answer your question, uh, so one of the things that happened was I was writing uh, a story about writing, so it was, uh, it's a story about a guy that just happens to end up getting a blank book, and um, he ends up starting to write. Never written before, but so a lot of it is him discovering the writing process and what it kind of means to him and this idea of writing and, and, and everything, and a lot of it's pulled from my own kind of experience as well. And so what came out of that was I started to, writing about writing, I came up with quotes, that were inspirational quotes to just kind of get you motivated to write or talk about the struggles of writing or whatever it was. Uh, They didn't really have a place in the book, which sometimes that happens when you write, Uh, something else comes out. I'm always an advocate of saving everything that you write because you never know it's a puzzle piece to a puzzle you don't have yet. And sometimes that puzzle piece can, can launch into something completely new. And that's what happened with these quotes. I put them in a separate document and then I don't, I don't know maybe a year after i started working on them maybe a little bit less uh, i looked at the document again and i had quite a few of them and i said i really like these i'd like to do something with them um and so one of the things i had seen is i've seen some of these posters before that have a lot of quotes on them and everything and they're called manifestos if you're not familiar with it um and i had seen different different ones never about writing but just about life or whatever it is. I said, I would like to, you know, develop these out a little bit more, you know, flush them out, go through the writing process of those, editing them, everything like that, but have these quotes and then create something. And then I didn't know what I was going to create necessarily or what I was going to do with it, right? That's part of the creative process. You just go along with the step that you're on. And uh, I, I ended up sitting down with a friend of mine that was a designer. I said, hey, I have this idea for this kind of this print or this poster, I've seen these before, what do you think? And so I sat down with him, and within about three days, I had a poster created that uh, became The Writing Manifesto. Eighteen writing quotes that were inspiring to me, and so I thought they might be inspiring to somebody else. And then after I did this, I said, "What, what do I want to do with this? It would be cool to put it out there, out there using quotes, you know, into the world. And so I was in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I was learning a little bit about... Um, what people do online, digital nomads and things like that, different business models. And I knew that there's, I learned that there's a thing called print-on-demand. So print-on-demand, if you're not familiar with it, um, it's basically you're able to put designs together and those designs can go on anything that you can think of. Mugs, posters, uh, apparel, phone cases, whatever it is, right? Right. Um, but you basically uh, work with a third-party printer that uh, will print the products and ship them and everything like that. And then once you have that, once you have your products and your designs, you then need a storefront. And so I looked at uh, different options. I could create my own Shopify site and everything. I was like, yeah, but then I've got to go do a lot of advertising, bring customers. That's not really my strong suit. I said, what about like a store like Etsy? which if you're not familiar with etsy it's it's an e-commerce platform similar i would say to amazon but it's something that you can find very kind of uh unique or niche products that you're not going to find like in regular stores right it's a lot of handmade sellers and people that create their own artwork or create their own products or create their own um uh, like i've got a friend that uh actually creates tumblers and she does it right out of her home and she uh tumblers or mugs um, That you can put uh, any kind of beverage in that you want, and uh, she glitters them and then puts a funny sayings on them and everything like that. And she's very creative, and the the sayings are 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 hilarious. Some of them are are very witty, Um, and she does that all out of her home and she sells them on Etsy, and so. but I knew that I didn't want to work with especially traveling. I didn't want to work with physical products that I had to like buy ahead of time or I had to like have shipped to me or a warehouse and then ship from there. So print on demand works great. Um, like the company I use is called Printful and they actually integrate directly with Etsy and Amazon and eBay and a bunch of other, uh, e-commerce platforms and they let you just like somebody buys the product. It automatically ships, or um, the order goes to Printful, they print it, they ship it, I don't have to touch anything, I just do more of the customer service things.
0: Yeah, you mentioned to me some of the things you do extra to connect with your customers, and it was very nice. Like I know you don't have to do anything, you could just let Printful fulfill all the requests, but you do email your customers and yeah let them that's upgrade their shipping and things like that so
1: that's one of the things about this business model is it's nice to make money i will absolutely say that that's not it's not a bad thing but i will say that it's not the number one reason that i did this like if you if you look at the the way that the the writing manifesto was created and it it is a poster but i've taken um to, to understand kind of the scale of the business like you can then take that. Print and put it on different designs. Or you can take individual quotes and create other things. So I actually have like 90 products based off of this one thing. And I never saw that coming. And that's a great that the business scale is there. But I really did it because it's there's an intrinsic motivation to create something. And I look at it and I said, like, if I never made any money off this, would I still done it? Absolutely. 100%. But what I love most, aside from You know, it's again great to to make money off of this and everything. But I love when I get messages from my customers that say, Hey, I just bought this for my dad and um, I'm going to give it to him for Christmas or whatever it is. I had, I think within the first few months of selling this, I had somebody message me and say um, they had given it to their dad who had just published a book. And when he got the poster, he cried. And I thought that, like, that's what really does it for me because I'm so passionate about writing for myself. I'm passionate about other people writing. Um, and I'm passionate about the writing process that the idea that something I created helps another writer or gives them some kind of happiness or whatever it is, that's the motivation. That's where it it really does come from.
0: I'm sure that your customers feel your passion coming through, especially with the emails that you send them. Yeah, I love interacting then, with them. It's great. And how genuine how genuine you are with this business. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. And it's sure. A, it's a really creative way. Before you told me that, I'd never considered that you can just take your quotes and, and mm-hmm. just make art from them. And you can, yeah. I mean, I've seen quotes on T-shirts, but this is one step further. and I hope it inspires people to take any idea that they've been considering and thinking how they can use it to serve other people in a visual sense, if it's not just through reading or writing.
1: Yeah, I would I would encourage anybody that has an idea. Like I, I think a lot of times... And it's not just writing. I've talked to, um, I know you interviewed Kia, and he and I are friends, and we, uh, you know, obviously he does music production and I do writing, but he and I meet in the middle of the creative process because a lot of that is the same. It's the same energy, it's the same struggle, it's the same things that, uh, concepts that we deal with to kind of get our creative product, quote-unquote, from, you know, start to finish. And so I would absolutely encourage anybody that's thinking of anything creative is to just start get out of your own head stop thinking about what the finished piece needs to look like whether it's writing or it's art or anything um, and just start working on it because you don't know what's going to come out of it you absolutely don't you don't know what path it might take and you're not going to see that I would say most of the time until you're actually at that fourth step fifth step whatever it is so stop thinking about five steps ahead just work on the first step
0: yeah, and, and to talk about your connection with Kia, we know that he has a course that he created yes. about music, well, beat production. Yeah. And so you've been thinking that about making your own course um, about what you've just been talking about, which is like that creative process yes. in relation with writing. So can you talk more about that? And then we're going to sure. talk about your own writing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: Um, it was actually Kia that put it in my head to do a course. He, he stuck the seed in my head, I remember, almost a year ago. We were sitting in a Starbucks in Chiang Mai. I remember that, and he was like, he's, and, and I've been a teacher before. I, I, my background is communications, got my master's degree, so I've taught college level um, communication courses, public speaking, things like that, right? Um, and then I was also, I've also taught online, and it's something I haven't done in a long time, but when I started kind of working on this idea for a course, that teaching fire started to come back in me. I realized it's something that I've been missing. I remember that after he put that idea in my head, which I was resistant to, um, happy to talk about resistance to creativity at some point uh, during this, because I've uh, got a lot of um, passion about that and experience dealing with it. Um, But I remember I woke up, I think it was in January, this past January, um, I don't know, four or five in the morning, and I woke up and I don't know if I was dreaming about it or what, but this course was running through my head and I actually was like, kind of had an outline in my head about what it could look like. And I was like, I just want to go back to sleep. And so I tried to go back to sleep. And uh, it, whatever it is, the the writing muse or the, the uh, creative muse wouldn't let me. And I knew I was not going to be able to go back to sleep until I at least wrote this down. And so I wrote down about a page and a half of an outline of the course and then went back to sleep. And then, you know, after I looked at it, um, once I was fully rested and everything, um, I looked at it and I said, I think there's something to this. I think I actually have something here. Um, what I knew I didn't want to do is I didn't want to do a writing course that teaches people how to write um, a, a particular genre or anything where I'm evaluating writing or anything like that. There's plenty of people out there that are doing it and doing it really well, And there's plenty of YouTube resources and and free resources and wonderful books that you can buy to help with your writing style and tone and creativity and everything like that. What I felt like I wanted to focus on, because my writing process has changed so much during traveling and everything, is how to get writers to understand their writing process to get them to write more. That's the biggest thing that I've found is that um, the only thing writers are better at than writing is procrastination. We excel at it. I'm right. sure it's true of a lot, lot of it. creatives, right? No, I excel at it. Right? Um, <laughs> we are great at, oh, I'm going to go write for a couple hours. Well, that's going to be an hour or 50 minutes of goofing around on social media and all this stuff in preparation to We're write 10 for 10 minutes. To minutes <laughs> to 10 minutes of writing. Yes, I wrote. I went. It, um, but I've, I've been uh, a member of a writing group. I'm a member of a lot of uh, Facebook groups about writing. And it seems like the, the biggest challenge that writers have is just writing. It's just this idea of getting out of your head and putting something down on paper. Um, I've seen so many people that have been like, I'm a writer, but I haven't written anything in two months.
0: What's the problem, David? Why, why is it so hard to put that down on paper? I
1: will say it's a couple things. It is, one, it's the part where you are editing while you're writing. And it's the, it's the whole thing of what we just talked about. It's thinking about step five when you're really on step one. And there's a couple quotes that I really like, and you can bleep this out, but it is from supposedly from Ernest Hemingway. And it says that the first draft of anything is shit. And then the other quote that I like is... Um, We're keeping that one, by the way. Okay, good. good. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good, it's a good one. one. It's an honest um, one. Um, it's attributed to Hemingway, whether he actually said it that way it or not. It totally sounds like him. Right, I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, and then the other one, I don't know um, who the author of this one is, but it's, um, you can't edit a blank page. And so I I always think about those two things um, as I'm writing, as I'm starting anything. And I'm just like, you've just got to get something down on paper. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, it's not going to be perfect and it's not supposed to be. Like, you you just accept that that's the way it is, but get something down. You can work it. You can edit it. You can uh, rip parts out and put new pieces in and everything. That's what the second, third, fourth, fifth, however many drafts you do, that's what that part is for. That's part of the, of the, of the process. Um, but in terms of, of like why we don't write, one of the other things I think is that people are just, they're too much in their own head and there's the doubt. There's the imposter syndrome, which is an interesting concept because um, you would think that the people that have imposter syndrome are beginners. But apparently if you listen to a lot of the people that are very successful in, in their life, Filmmakers, you know, everybody from filmmakers to businessmen to whoever it is, a lot of them still suffer from it. People that are highly successful. I'm using that in, in quotes again, right? Because success is defined by by yourself, not the external things. But um, it's that imposter syndrome. It's like I'm not good enough. And what I'm going to create, and it's like saying I what I'm going to create is not good enough. So why even do it, right? It's all that doubt. And if you can just get rid of that and just like put it to the side or put it in a box or whatever and just start creating, that's where the kind of the magic happens.
0: So how do we do that? How do we like, you know, interrupt those voices in our head telling us why even go for this and just get things done? Because I, I can see this extends to everything. Right? Yeah. So
1: um, I love my, my favorite. There's a lot of good uh, writing books out there that I think also apply to any creative, right? Um, but one of my favorite is um, The War of Art, not The Art of War by Sun Tzu. It's the reverse of that by Stephen Pressfield. And what he talks about uh, a good, i want to say about a third of the book is this idea of resistance. And he says, resistance is anything that stops you from doing your work. And I can air quotes for work because work isn't necessarily what you do for a job. It's what you're called to do. Um, and the resistance, he, he does a great job in describing it because he gives it like personality traits so you can really kind of feel like this is a force in your life, not some kind of like ethereal thing, but something inside you. And that's what he talks about. He said that the majority of resistance, 90% of uh, resistance is internal. But resistance is, is crafty, it's, it's very creative, and it doesn't come across as resistance. So it's the whole idea of, I'm going to write, that's my, that's my calling, right? So I wake up in the morning, first thing in my thought is, I need to write today. Good. Then I say, well, you know what? I really write better when, I, when I'm on a full stomach. I should eat breakfast first. So I'm gonna go eat breakfast, then I'm gonna write. I go out and eat breakfast and I go, you know what? I, I, I should get the workout in. Like I'm always, like once I'm energized, and I got that energy from the workout, then I'll write. And then it's this idea of like all this stuff that sounds like really good advice, right? Uh, that gets in your way of doing what you're supposed to be doing, and that is resistance, and that's why resistance is so powerful because it's not like the the all the negative, you know, it's not like a, a dark energy over your over your shoulder saying don't do this. It's actually very rainbows and puppy dogs saying don't do this. Come play come play outside in the rainbow with the puppy dogs instead of doing your work. Um, and so I encourage that book um, again, Stephen Pressfield, the the War of Art for anybody that's doing anything creative uh writing painting making music whatever it is but he says it's for anything that you feel called to do if, if you're somebody that feels called to um you know work in a lab and, and do scientific discovery this is all of this applies it's anytime you try to do something to better your life that's where the resistance is and once you can start paying attention to it and realize it and realize the thoughts in your head or, or some of it you have a pretty good chance of fighting against it um, and i would say that's a huge part of it um, one of the things that I think in terms of writing is that um, we get into this idea that we have to be motivated to write. And that's a big misconception. Um, and I remember I watched a YouTube video of, uh, or sorry, it was on Instagram. It was a powerlifter, female powerlifter from Australia. And she gave this great like two minute video um, about motivation. And she said, I don't know why people keep asking me how to get motivated to go to the gym. She's like, you don't need to be motivated to go to the gym. You can just go. She said, sometimes I'm motivated, sometimes I'm not. She And she's got this great quote. It says, my motivation is variable, but my attendance is not. And I think if you're trying to do anything in your life, that's what it has to be. It can't be, I feel great, I'm going to do this. It's, I feel great, I'm going to do this, or I feel like, crap, I'm going to do this. And I think that's really where... And, and Pressfield will even talk about this, that separates the amateurs from the pros.
0: I can and, agree with that. I can. I know I've, I've told myself that. Like, oh, I don't feel like I'm going to write well right now. Yeah. So let me just wait two more hours till I've done these other things yeah. and gotten them out of the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's. I think it's something that everybody can identify with. Whether it's writing or whether it's, I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to you know do whatever it is to kind of better my life. You, you, immediately you start thinking about, why it won't work or why you don't feel like it or whatever it is versus focusing on why you're excited to do it. I think that's a big thing. Like I'm excited to write. I'm excited to write this scene and work on it. Yeah, it might not turn out the way it is in my head, but that's okay, I'm doing the work. Um, and I think that's a lot of that is, is for me, has been my process of kind of uncovering that. Um, and, so, and so in the course that I'm, I'm working on, to give an example, um, I'm in the point of the course where I'm gonna start shooting the video. So I've done all the content. I actually wrote out all the content um, that I want to cover back during quarantine because I was, as you know, I was quarantined in India. I uh, spent eight months in India during this year when I was only planning to spend two, uh, but I was on a, a, actually a very strict lockdown for the first couple months. I um, had like a 10 a.m. curfew. I could only go out to get food, and I was in my hotel the entire time. I said, I'm not going to let this stop me. I want to use this time almost like a retreat. And that was one of the things is I I wanted to develop the content and do that before kind of the lockdown was over. So I used the deadline of, um, you know, uh, six weeks or two months to um, actually make sure that I got the content for the course so it would be ready to shoot. Um, But the course is all about uh, the writing process. So it's picking it apart and I break it into Kind of the who, what, when, where, why, and how of the writing process. And so it's, and it's, uh, I like to say it's not, nothing I'm um, presenting is rocket science because the end result is not rocket science. The end result is that somebody sits down and they start writing. All they need is a pen of paper or a keyboard or whatever it is. It's the simplest thing in the world, but it's getting through all that stuff so that they start doing that on a consistent basis. And it's not based on whether they feel like doing it or not. And so by understanding your writing process, a very simple example is time, right? The when. Um, and I break it down to kind of three or four different versions of time. But an example of it is, when do you write? Do you write when you first wake up? Like before anything else, has light, the day has started, right? Do you write at night? Um, after everything's done, like when you feel kind of... Um, You can relax you don't have any more responsibilities is that your creative time uh do you write after a particular event i've i've had friends that have told me that like after exercise or after yoga or whatever they feel like they're once they've gotten their physical energy out their mind is clear and so they're actually able to process things differently and open the creative door a little bit better so it's kind of understanding those things and then as part of the course i give um, a lot of homework says, like, I want you to take these concepts because it's less about watching me and listening to me talk and more about understanding the concept and then going away for, like, uh, a couple days and trying to implement different, I would say, different versions or different uh, tactics into the writing to see what works best for them. And then as they go through the course, um, they will build upon this, and then at the end, they will have a much better understanding of the writing process, and hopefully what that will do will give them the uh, tools to be able to write more often and more effectively.
0: That sounds great. I know that so many of us, I think everybody has a story in them. I don't think everybody wants to agree. be a yes. writer, like per se, or they enjoy yeah. the process, but there's everybody has a story to tell. Absolutely. Do you use the strategy of like, don't write or write to one person, or should we think of someone in? Should we have someone in mind that we're writing to? Does that help um, when you're trying to? yeah, write
1: more? I actually that's actually a, a, one of the things I talk about in the in the course under the the who the um who is it's not just you as a writer, but it's also who you're writing for. Um, I think I don't like giving a blanket answer for anything because I always say that everybody's writing process can be completely different. There's, there's a couple strategies with that. One of them is what you mentioned, where you envision one person, one that's your audience, right? Um, you can go so far as to give them characteristics, uh, demographics, psychographic, all that kind of stuff, and have a really solid idea of who's going to read this, who's your reader, right? Um, and you can definitely write for that, and I think that has a place. Um, I don't know that I would say that's the best way to start writing, like your first draft. I think your first draft is you write for yourself. And there's a, another quote, I've got so many writing quotes in my in my head from other people, not, not necessarily mine, um, that says uh, the, first, uh, the first draft is you telling yourself the story. The second and subsequent drafts would be you telling others the story. And so a lot of it is just, and, and I think if you can not think about somebody else reading your work, especially when you're doing that first initial um, kind of uh, creative dump onto the, the page, then it will help you um, get away from that in, uh, internal critic. Because if you start thinking, well, is somebody going to understand this? It's, it's almost like you're doing editing, but then you're also doing editing with somebody over your shoulder.
0: That's a really good advice. So it Takes would, the stakes, like lowers the stakes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Pretend like you're not going <laughs> to ever show it to anybody the first time, right? Okay. And see what comes out. And you might find that you're a lot more honest, a lot more vulnerable, and which is scary. I mean, I think writing is, if you're really writing um, from kind of your core, it's a very scary, and revealing thing. You have to bleed on page, and then you have to bleed on the next page, and the next page, and the next page. Like, it's just a continual thing. It's a very, um, it's a very vulnerable thing to do, to write. And I think it's true of any creative. I think anybody that does anything creative puts a piece of themselves in there. Whether other people are going to see it or not is a different story. But like when you look at it as the creator, you're like, wow, I feel completely exposed. And you have to kind of be okay with that because that's where the great stuff comes from.
0: Right. And speaking of great stuff, you have been giving me a lot of great advice about resources <laughs> that you can use as part of your writing process. Sure. Such as you're talking about the emotion thesaurus. The emotion thesaurus, yeah. Are there some great resources you found to help you with your writing process aside from when is the best time for you to write and how to motivate yourself? Yeah, there's, and
1: and I, I that's another thing I include in my course because I want to give people the you know the resources that I feel like have helped me. Um, it's it's there's this whole thing. Um, to give you a long answer, but I think this is important. Um, I got the honor of listening to an author back um, when I was actually working before traveling and all this stuff come to my company. His name's Dan Pink. And there's a book he wrote called Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. And what he discovered, well, there's three things. Um, One is um, autonomy. So your ability to kind of Decide your own fate. Make your own choices with whatever you're doing. Um, A second one is purpose. So the feeling that there's meaning or there's a greater meaning to what you're doing. And then the third one is mastery. And your mastery is to get better at whatever it is that you're doing, your craft. So for me, getting better at writing, um, yes, that's just the practice of writing and everything. But it's also being exposed to other writers. It's reading things from great writers and sometimes not so great writers to see what the mistakes or the flaws are um, and it's getting those good resources that are out there so you mentioned the emotion thesaurus that's something um, I've recently started um, working my way through it's basically a thesaurus for emotions so um, you don't tell people you're, the character is sad or you're sad you give them the feeling of sadness and you have to do that in, in the writing Right, to the dialogue and the visual and the vocal cues and the um, nonverbal cues and all that kind of stuff. But that's what you want to do. You want to create that emotion in the person without telling them what the emotion is. And that's a very hard thing to do, but some writers do it very, very well. Um, another thing that um, was really helpful for me is there's a guy named Daniel David Wallace. And um, I think he has some courses too. I've never taken his courses, but he has this great. Book that is, I want to say about 70 pages, and I always recommend it to all my writer friends. Um, it's free, you can go to his website and, and download it. And it is called How to Write Better Sentences. And so, basically, what he, he's done is he's gone through a lot of other resources to kind of dissect sentences, right? And it gets a little bit grammar ish. So, if you're a grammar nerd or a language, um, a technical language nerd, uh, you're going to love it. If you're not, and you're just a writer, you're going to get a lot of really good tools. Cause that's what it does is it gives me, for me, it gave me a lot of more, a lot more tools in my tool bag about how to edit a sentence and kind of really, because for me, I feel like um, I kind of go with my writer's intuition. Like when I read something, I'm like, I don't know why, but this sentence doesn't work. Like there's something that just needs to change. And it gives me the tools to kind of work with it grammatically um, to see if there's something there. Or maybe it's just the, the words need to change too, right? But it gives you those tools to kind of do that. I think I think anytime you feel like there's a part of your writing that is lacking, because the idea is that writing is, is, is a skill just like anything else. You get better at it, at it the more you do it. You learn from experts. You learn from mentors. You learn from other people that are doing it really well. You're not going to, even if you're the, the best writer in the world, you're probably not the best, at every single aspect of writing. And so if you can figure out what your strong suit is and also what your weaknesses are and figure out how to improve those weaknesses, it's going to make your writing so much better and it's going to help you um, with your process. It's going to help you not feel like... It's going to to get rid of some of that doubt. It's going to give you more confidence in your writing and hopefully that will lead to more writing that you do.
0: I definitely think so. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to put sure. the links to all of these things you're mentioning. Yeah. Through, yeah. That'd be the great. By the way, on the school of So listeners go there to check. I want to talk now about what you're writing. So okay. what has that process been like? When did you start? Cause you're working on quite a big project. I am. When did you start that? What made you start that? And how has your process been going?
1: So I started, I'm writing a book right now that is uh, partly based in India, which is why one of the big reasons I wanted to go to India. Um, at the beginning of the year and ended up spending eight months there which gave me a lot of writing content and such Um, a unique experience to be very unique Rishikesh, India. yes
0: listeners if you don't know I think Steve Jobs spent time there the Beatles the Beatles did famously spent time there it's a great it's known to the west as like quite a source of inspiration yeah so you found yourself there yeah. because of this writing
1: project, and and I look back on it, and um, again, it's the thing of. So my part of my writing process used to be going and sitting in a nice coffee shop that I felt comfortable in, getting a, a cappuccino, and then you know procrastinating slash writing for, um, you know however amount of time. What happened over the last couple of years is my writing process because when I was writing. Um, changed uh, what my writing process became was I was starting to pull from my actual experiences not writing necessarily like um, an autobiography right still writing fiction but I use the example of um, you know if you want to write about the fear of skydiving you may never have been skydiving it's probably helpful if you have been right but even if you've never been skydiving, but you can kind of describe that experience. Um, But what you can do is you can describe what fear is because everybody's felt fear. So at the base of what it is, you can write fictionally about something that is very real. And emotions are one of those things that um, if you describe them well, uh, everybody's going to be be able to identify with, regardless if they feel that emotion about that particular instance. So as I go through my travels and meeting people and everything, I pull from my experiences, um, I conversations, like somebody will say something that's just kind of a quote. And my friends usually know that I might say, hey, that's really great. Let me write that down. They know that, like, that's just kind of part of my process. And or as I'm going along or I see something, I might pull up my I, I write on my phone now.
0: That surprised me when you told me so, yeah. you write on your phone a lot, and I, I always thought, oh, that's just that's not efficient for me. I have to be in front of my laptop. But no, no, you don't. That's just a
1: story. You problems. don't. It's it's it, it could be resistance, right? It's very well, um, or it could be that being on your laptop is part of your writing process and being on the phone isn't. Um, I I love the idea. I think we've romanticized mm-hmm. the idea of um, you know sitting sitting in a dimly lit room. Uh, and everything and having your pen and your paper and the muses there and, and you got some kind of, you know, wonderful soothing music that, that's all like, that, that's the ideal or the iconic place to write. Your vision writing we have. Of, of course, place. you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's in calligraphy, you know, with a, a pen that's dipped in ink, you know, that's got a feather coming out of it or something. <laughs> um, and it does sound great even describing I'm like, I would really like to do that. But for me, with, with my actual lifestyle and everything, and to get as much writing down as I want to, it's more about convenience. And being able to pull out my phone, my virtual notepad at any point in time to write down a thought, because if anybody's ever done anything creative and you've not like written down the idea immediately, you know it goes away. And I've done, the, I've done the thing where I'm gonna remember this. I've got, I've got the, the, the great quote in my head and I miss a word. There's a word that just comes out of place or I can't remember that particular word and the whole thing falls apart. And that happens enough times to where you're like, I'm not gonna let this keep happening. So my phone is my, you know, and it syncs to my laptop and my, um, my iPad as well. So I have all my devices and all my content there. Um, but yeah, it's this, this idea of being able to pull from your experience in that moment, because that's what you want to capture is kind of the raw. Um, one little tip I'll give that I, um, I used to struggle with this, but um, I developed it, um, or I, de- I started using it while I was um, in the quarantine in India, because I was having so much inspiration that my fingers weren't able to keep up with it. Um, text to speech or sorry, speech to text on your phone, where you can just uh, hit the little microphone and it will write whatever you say, is great for like a brain dump. Like if you've got so much stuff in your head that you need to get it down and you feel like you're gonna lose it, um, you can speak a lot faster than you can type. And it's not gonna be perfect, which again is great because you shouldn't be editing it right now anyway, right? Just get it down. Right. Um, And that actually works really, really well. but the yeah, but from pulling from my experiences, from pulling from conversations, I say that if if you're really into the creative process and really into writing, anything is possible. Content, every thought in your head, every moment of your life, every person you meet or don't meet or observe or whatever it is. Um, one of my one of my quotes on the um, on the writing manifesto is: Pay attention to everything. Take notes. Um, you know. All this kind of stuff, but uh, don't be creepy. So that's the whole thing. Um, is the, the the last part is don't be creepy because the idea is that you're a writer as an observer, and sometimes if you're observing people, you might be staring at them and trying to just get some writing content or something. But they think you're being a little bit a little bit creepy and stepping over boundaries. <laughs> so, um, but I do that a lot. I pull pull things from like. I see somebody and they're wearing something I might use that as inspiration for what my characters wearing.
0: yeah pay attention to the world around you yes. there's so many riches to pull absolutely build into something completely new absolutely and you are so you have told me that you're actually writing a trilogy or what you think is going to be a potential trilogy. I think
1: it's going to be it didn't start out that way and um, it's fiction as you've mentioned it is fiction
0: And part of it, or a lot of it, is set in
1: India. Yeah, a good third of it is set in India. So um, it it started as an idea about a year ago. Um, And I had no intention at the time of going to India or writing this particular subject matter because it's a little bit different than what I typically write. Mm -hmm. And I just started writing, and then once I got to India, it just really started flowing. Um, A good third of the book um, is about... Um, this time that the main character spent in India and this relationship that he developed with this um, young Indian girl, it's not romantic. It's just a very deep friendship, a deep bond. And it's about like, um, without, without giving away too much, right. but it's about like how that bond has affected his life um, like a year later. And so a lot of it is um, him spending time with a therapist to kind of, and I'll say an unconventional therapist, um, not just your your traditional um, therapist. And then there's a lot of unpacking of what's going on, but it's a lot of um, regret, a lot of guilt, a lot of things that I think people can feel and harbor in their life, and they hold it inside themselves. And it's like if you you don't deal with it at some point, it's going to manifest itself, usually in negative ways, in your life. Um, And so it's this process of dealing with this, even though the person doesn't want to deal with it, Um, He's being forced to, just through his life circumstances, to deal with this. And then you're getting kind of the backstory and flashbacks of his time in India and how those particular things relate to what he's going through now.
0: Sounds fantastic. I can't wait to see the final product.
1: I can't wait for you to see it either because that means I'll be done with it.
0: And Uh, you're trying to get it traditionally published, Yes, that'll be the goal. I I've mentioned this I think once before on the podcast I did pub, self-publish a book yeah. this year on Amazon which a lot of people tend to do their first time sure. but I, I love that you are trying to do the traditional route and once you get through that it'd be fun to have you back on the podcast yeah that I would be amazing I'd love to I'd way.
1: love to come back and uh, you know because that means again that it got it, one it got completed which is an amazing thing and then also it got out into the world as well so that'll be a very nice milestone
0: yeah, I mean I I know that like for me it was when I finished this book this year, also using quarantine and, you know, this pandemic to make the most of being stuck in sure. one place. It I mean, it's one thing to write and write and write and Get the writing down, but it is a whole other thing to finish. Yes. And that is something we haven't talked about yet, but like that is, uh, it's almost like you need, everybody has a different motivation for that. Some people need like a taskmaster standing over them. Yes. Or like they're going to be paid <laughs> some large amount of money at the end when they finish yeah. it, like some intrinsic or extrinsic motivation. But I mean, are you feeling a lot of are you getting a lot of friction with the finishing, as well, or are you too um, Not as also?
1: much. So um, I typically, what I've, from what I've written, so this isn't the first book that I've written or been working on. I've got a previous book that I'm actually trying to get uh, Traditionally published right now. Is that one finished? That one's finished. That okay. one's been finished for, I want to say, probably over a year. Okay. Um, and it's actually three novellas that I put together into one, one um, full-length book. Uh, the third novella is where the writing manifesto came from. It's the idea of somebody got a book and they're writing and everything. So, But um, I, I tend to... It's, it's two parts in terms of, of why I write. When I don't write... One, when I write, I feel there's this, this feeling inside and it's kind of hard to explain. Um, but like you just feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I think it's, it's part of it. The second thing is when I don't write... Um, I become a, a uh, lesser version of myself, I will say. Like, if I go a few days without writing, my mood starts to be a little worse. Um, I'm not as motivated in my life. I'm not as motivated in other things that have nothing to do with writing, like going to the gym and things like that, um, that are still intrinsically um, a, a part of me. Why do you
0: think that is?
1: I think, I, I mean, I think because a lot of it is related. Like, I feel like, for me, the things that I'm passionate about... So I have this necklace, and, and I know your podcast listeners can, <laughs> can't see this, but it's just like a little simple thing. I think I got it for like $6, not the chain, but the, the, the actual pendant. It's just a little block rectangle, right? And It's got four sides, and I got it in Chain My Thailand, and they let you... Um, they engrave it with whatever words you want. And so I remember at the time, I was trying to figure out what my... Um, my tenants were my daily tenants, uh, or what other people might call pillars or their anchors, right? These are the things that I can do daily that, um, I feel like ground me in when the, when the rest of the world may be in total chaos which we found that to be the case this year, yes. right? Yeah, um, like when was this made? When did you so have this made? I had place? this made uh, last year. Oh, So right. um, I, I go over, um, one of them is train. So train is uh, to exercise. It's whatever training, uh, workout type thing, because that's such a big part of my life. Breathe, so part of that is um, meditation for me, but it's also the idea of um, taking time to breathe um not letting your your thoughts and your and your day be so consumed that you just miss out on the simple things of paying attention to the moment. Um and that fall kind of aligns with the third thing is be. Just be. It's this idea of just be like the person that you are. There's a lot of um things that I kind of work on internally of just accepting who I am in the moment, the version of myself that I am, especially when my lifestyle changes, just accept this is my version of my life and the version of me right now. And so the fourth thing is right. Um, And obviously they're not in that order, but all of these things, if I do these every four, all, all four of these every day, um, my life is significantly better that day. And when I don't do them, I see a significant difference.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's like this. It's almost like your own religion that you've made kind of for yourself, right?
1: It's it's my practice, I guess. Practice, I guess you'd say like like
0: a creative side of just well, it's just how you have chosen to live. Yeah, yeah, religion um, might not be the right word. And to. those
1: things they um, they fall into each other. When I start my day or I do my day by doing one of them, it motivates me to do the next, to do the next, to do the next. They are absolutely related. And so I feel like when I don't write, it affects those other things because they're just all kind of, in some way, a piece of the pie, right? Even though they might not, to the outside world or anybody outside of me, they don't feel like the same thing. But I will say when I, when I do each of these things, the, the internal feeling that I have, whether I'm in the exercise, hammer, or um, sorry, in the gym, hammering out weights, or I'm sitting, you know, kind of like solitarily doing writing. Seem like two polar opposites, but on the inside, I feel the same. There's a sense of peace, a sense of I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm doing what I enjoy, I'm making myself better you know, all these kinds of things.
0: Yeah, it, it, I just got a flashback to being in Nepal or Bhutan, where they, mm. it's such a Buddhist culture where they have these structures that you're supposed to, you're just supposed to walk in a circle oh, right. over and over, and it's like envisions you going through those four different sides. Of your necklace in a way, and just passing those four, and you're you're doing those things. Maybe it's not over and over, but it's like to get through the you know those all those elements right. to feel whole or to feel like yourself. Yes,
1: yes, and 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 again, the I see I feel the benefit when I do it, but I see the uh, result more of not doing it. And so usually, if I haven't been consistent over a few days, you know, and it's always like a surprise to me. I'm like, why do I feel this way? Why I... And then it's like, oh, yeah, I haven't been doing this. It shouldn't be a surprise at this point. It should be like, duh, dummy, like, you haven't been doing this stuff. You know it's important. But, like, it always seems like, uh, you know, this big shock. It's like, oh, I haven't been writing as much as or I haven't been consistent in the gym. I should do that. And as soon as I'm back on track, my life and my mood and everything just kind of falls back into place.
0: Do you think writing helps you be a better communicator through, with speaking or with communicating in relationships? How do you
1: think that's a good question? Um, my background is communications. Um, that's where my um, undergraduate and graduate studies came from, and I actually was one of the lucky ones to get jobs in communications <laughs> using my degree. I know a lot of people don't do anything close to what their degree is. It's definitely different skills, and I and I realized, even when I was doing the TEFL, that they break it down into, like, language into four skills. It's the speaking, it's listening... It's writing and it's reading. And you would kind of think like speaking and listening would be the same thing almost, right? Like if you can speak, you can hear it and vice versa. If you can write, you can read. But it's not. They're four very, four, they're four very different skills. Um, and in my experience, like working with people on different levels of communication, one can help the other, but just because you're good at one doesn't mean you're great at the other. And it's it's so simple as people may be absolutely like on fire when they are in front of a thousand people giving a speech, right? You just see them and they're just amazing and you think this person's the most confident, well-spoken person I've ever met. And then you talk to them one-on-one and they kind of fall apart. And it's, it's because there's a different, it's a different environment but a different level of intimacy. And you can see the reverse as well. Some people can be great one-on-one or in small groups and you put them in front of a, an audience bigger than that and they fall apart. Um, And I think it's similar with writing. I think like you can be a great writer and a terrible communicator when you're you're actually talking to somebody. Um, I do feel like my writing helps in relationships and things like that because I'll use it sometimes. Sometimes I'll use it to like, if I don't feel like I can communicate my feelings um, verbally, sometimes I'll write and it comes out a lot clearer. Um, I think I think communicating in general will help you, just basic skills and things like that. But still, they're very different from category to category.
0: I do find, yeah, how they all connect and how they connect differently in different people. Yes. To be fascinated. Yeah,
1: it is very interesting to see people.
0: Yeah. Like some them. some writers are also very charismatic when they speak to audiences, sure. and some are just recluses. You know, who, mm-hmm. like I'm thinking of Thoreau on Walden Pond, like. Yeah. Writing was such a great piece of work, but maybe he had to get away to write. I
1: remember was I, uh, awesome. I saw a, um, a study um, years ago and it was asking creatives, What's the number one thing that you need to be creative? And the answer was solitude. You need time by yourself mm-hmm. to get into your process. It's a discipline thing. It's not that you don't have the time. People say, I don't have time for it, or I got too many commitments and everything like that. And I get that people do to a certain degree but you also are not a victim of your life choices like you chose your life to kind of do that but you can you can always carve out time for what's really important people get sick and like they carve out time to be sick right so obviously the time does exist and just like anything it's it's what you're willing to give up versus what you want to take you know your and everything but yeah it's hard to do it I think for me the being locked down when I was in India and like being restricted on being able to go out, like removing that distraction was the greatest thing. And it, it it forced me to get bored, and it forced me to go through all the procrastination that I could. But once you go through that, you kind of come out the other side and you say, okay, I'm ready. There's nothing left to do but to do the work, and then you start doing the work, and then you start feeling like you're making progress and everything. And then the work—I don't even like that word because work is usually associated negatively or a lot of effort that you don't necessarily want to put in. But once you start doing it, it's, it doesn't become work anymore. It's something that you want to do and you kind of feel called to do.
0: So where do you see yourself in the next few months with the writing? You just You just keep going. Yeah, I am in,
1: in the third draft of my book. I've always done four drafts, but this one um, is such a, just a bigger animal in terms of content and themes that I'm working with um, that I'll probably do five drafts. And usually a draft takes me about three months. So I plan to finish the third draft by the end of the year, by June at the latest. I Have mm-hmm. this thing done and then start putting it out there and see if there's any any nibbles at and everything like that. It's kind of a two two step process. Just finishing it, like you were talking about, is a huge milestone. I think. Being okay if,
0: with finishing, like okay, yes. this is I'm okay with this draft. I'm okay with yes, this Yes, that's a good point. Because you can
1: edit it forever and yeah. never actually finish, yeah. and you can continue to edit and say, well. And then you realize you kind of are fighting over word choice and all the words are fine, you know? Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's. but yeah, I mean, just finishing the work or like kind of having an end date for it is a huge thing. Um, and then what happens after that, like putting it out there, that's a completely separate thing. Like you think about that when you're at that step. Yeah. Right now I'm thinking about the third draft because that's what I'm working with. Fourth draft will take care of itself when I'm done with this one.
0: But
1: I know you're going to keep writing. Oh, absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the of things practice. that I, I started recently uh, doing, um, which I know you know about, is doing um, daily Facebook posts where I put out, um, it's just kind of what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling or like a small little snippet of an experience um, that day. Um, it's gotten to where it's not actually every day. It's usually every other day now. Uh, But I I try to be consistent. I put it out there on Facebook. I put it on my author Facebook page. And I've been also syndicating it on Instagram and Medium and even this new thing called Substack. Um, And it's, it's, again, it's this thing where I'm not necessarily expecting it to blow up or anything. And I don't even know if how many people are reading it or if people are reading it. I know a few people are reading it because I get a few comments or things like that. But I'm really just putting it out there because I feel like I want to just put it out there. And inevitably, um, usually after, every time I put something out there, I will get uh, some comment from somebody completely unexpected. Um, like, hey, this really resonated with me today or whatever it is. And that, again, goes back to the intrinsic um, motivation, intrinsic reason of why you write. Yeah. I'm not writing for the world. I'm writing for myself and one other person.
0: That's so great. And I feel like I should ask you now, if people want to follow your writing, uh, where can they go?
1: So um, I, they can go to my website, davidnashcarson.com. Um, you'll see a lot of my travel writing and links to the uh, writing manifesto and things like that. For my daily posts, um, Instagram under the same at David Nash Carson. Uh, Again, also on Medium under the same thing, uh, or the author website on uh, Facebook as well.
0: Thank you so much for sitting down and sharing something that I know a lot of us have that passion for, writing and we wanna write more, but we have so many issues sitting down and doing the work or sitting down and doing our passion.
1: That is is absolutely true, and um, I'm sitting here telling you I'm no different. We're all in this together, we're all the same.
0: And I look forward to you finishing the course, and we will put a link to that on the website and update the site. That'll be great. You know,
1: should that. be live uh, beginning of January. Fingers crossed. So.
0: Yeah, and um, it's been very nice to connect with you here in Querétaro, and all the best for finishing the book and continuing with your lifelong writing process.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: I hope you enjoyed my interview with David and all of his fantastic insights into the writing process. I like when David quoted his friend who said, My motivation is variable, but my attendance is not. What if we all just short-circuited the need for motivation or the do I feel like it chip and just took action? What kind of a world would we live in then? I don't know about you, but David has definitely inspired me to take more action and try to restart some of the things I've been slacking on. I hope you feel the same. I will put the links to David's recommendations, quotes, and writing on theschooloftravels.com, and when he finishes his course on writing, I will also add the course link so you can go and get a copy of the course for yourself. Thanks as always, listeners, for joining me here for another episode of The School of Travels. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to The School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be. When you were born, you'd see it all. your head up standing tall and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money in this world living in this